You've probably, probably been immersed in, in your own heart's response uh, to the, the just unspeakable uh, pain of these two obvious murders in uh, Baton Rouge and, and, and the, the, the sniper attack in Dallas and, you know, all of the, the incredible pain that, that so many people are feeling. And the, the problem with the, of course, we all know the, the bigger issue with the, with the killing of these two African-American men is that um, this is not an unusual event. This is just a continuation of what African-American people experience all the time. And, but so it's not, it's not a special event. It's not just been going on since, since last week. It's been going on since, nothing's really changed since the, the, um, the Michael Brown murder, the murders at the churches and the church in South Carolina. It's been, really hasn't changed since, since uh, you know, the lynchings of our, you know, of the 1800s, 1700s. So, so that's what's even more heartbreaking, that things haven't changed. And, and what's heartbreaking for me is that, uh, is I can go about my life at times, and because of my privilege, unaware of how, um, how painful it is for so many. I ran into an African-American fellow at the, at the little empanada shop down the street today. Just, I, have, I go there often on Tuesdays before the, the group. I have a little empanada that's a great little shop. I, now I feel like I'm advertising. It's called Venga. I think it's Venga. It's terrific. It's clean. It's... Anyway, this, this African-American guy comes in with a Captain America jacket on. And I said, that's a very cool jacket. And he says, I wear this so I won't be hassled. And I started to, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm sensitive. I'm not that fragile, but I'm sensitive. And I just started to weep as I'm talking to him. And uh, we, we strike up a conversation. He tells me, you know, I'm... I'm a sitting target, and I, I don't want it, everything to be focused on, on race. It's about, he wants it to be focused on love. He says, I have, my family is completely multicultural. I have an Irish grandfather. This, you know, he's quite, uh, quite obviously of African-American descent, but has an Irish grandfather, and then he has he has relatives who are in the peace in the police force, and he has everybody of every shape and every size. And he was just a, a, just an expression of of love and wisdom. And it's so easy to to take a position of of blame and hatred, and it's hard to stay and let that that pain of of our own, whatever our own ignorance, the pain of, of, the, of not knowing what to do, what to say. Uh, that, again, that happens for me. I don't, I don't know exactly what to, what to do sometimes other than stay open. And I, and I consult the, 
the teachings of the Buddha, naturally. And what was the first thing the Buddha said? There is all matter, all manner of dukkha in this world. Pain, suffering, things that are hard to bear, things that are just unspeakable suffering on so many levels. Mental suffering, which he said was in some ways more difficult to deal with than the, than the outer suffering of survival and, and illness and pain and then the, the pain of greed and hatred and ignorance, just enormous. What did he say to do about it? He said his, his prescription was open to it. Don't hide away in fear and dullness, distraction, and shopping. He didn't say that. He said the recipe or the, the prescription is open to it. And you want to know inwardly, not as an idea, oh yeah, I open to it. But you want to, you want to know in your direct experience, yeah, I felt that. I really let myself feel that. I didn't just think about it. I didn't just think about Alton Sterling and, and Philando, Philando. I knew I would, the names in the middle of a Dharma talk, I would, somehow my mind would short out on the names, so I wrote them down. But you want to be able to say, I feel it. I feel the pain. I feel the systemic pain that gives rise to something like that. I open to it enough, I hover long enough to know it's not just those events. I stay long enough, and as Rumi says, why do, why, why do you stay in prison when this door is so wide open? Come out of the tangle of fear thinking, live in silence for a while. He doesn't say for a while, he says live in silence flow down and down and down in ever-widening rings of being. So I sit with that and I feel the wide ring of being. How does someone act in, with such disregard for another person's humanity? Where does that begin? And we, we can't, well, if we look at it in the most profoundly deep way, we don't find a beginning to it. We find in the in the, in the brain, the, the tor tendency toward grasping aversion and delusion and ignorance and othering and selfing and all of the... But if you just look at our country in general, built on a, a view, built on a basic view that some, are, some races are, are less than others. And then it's inculcated into every single institution until it gets reinforced on every level until those who, those who have their, their comforts think that, that others are, um, that are fighting and are, are angry, are, there's, there's, it's just a reinforcement of some kind of view. Do you know, I remember, it was the strangest thing this evening, I was thinking about the 1960s. I don't know, I know there are a lot of people here who lived through the 60s, but there's some who didn't. But it was the long, hot summer of 68. 
my 10 square blocks of the city where I grew up, Omaha, Nebraska, which is a kind of prosperous Midwestern city, 10 square blocks burned in the long, hot summer, burned from, from uh, demonstrations and riots and looting and, and police actions, and it just, uh, it just lit up. And this happened all over the country. And I was, this happened in what's called North Omaha. I lived in West Omaha. It was like a world away. It was a, a million miles away. I saw it on TV. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong with those people? And it, it, it seemed so other. Now I know as my view widens, as I flow down to wider rings of being, that I was part, my very existence was part of a systemic cause of that community to completely unravel. And we can, we can, once we wake up to that systemic connection to the, the Buddha says, keep opening. As, as Rumi also says, or Hafez, he says, don't surrender your feelings so quickly. Let it cut more deep. Let it ferment and season you. As, as he says, as few human or divine ingredients can. And then he ends it by saying, Something in my heart tonight has made my eyes so soft, my voice so tender, my need of, of God or the divine, my need of, of connection with life, absolutely clear. So if I let myself, as if I follow the Buddha's teaching and say, open to it, and I can say, yes, I've really let it cut deeply, this prevents, this actually is one way initially that I can at least stop running from the truth of, what, of what's happening. Stop running so much that I am oblivious to what's happening. And then the next thing the Buddha said is, what's the cause of suffering? What's the cause of this world and all its many sufferings. You know, I read from Blaise Pascal at the beginning, he said all human suffering, all human difficulties come out of a person's inability to sit still alone in a room. He also said, just while we're on this Blaise Pascal thing, he said all people seek happiness. This is without exception Whatever means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both. Attended with different views, they will never take the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who, who hang themselves. So in the Buddha's teaching, it says it's not going to make you happy to continually go out in search of, you won't deal with this, this, the pain of your existence, the suffering that you feel by going out in search of pleasure. 
That hasn't made anybody, it has never more than for, um, for sound bites, moments, relieved your suffering. What that does is it, is it makes your mind very narrow. It makes it very, very time dependent. It makes your mind less aware of what's actually happening in your, in your own neighborhood. Keeps you in a state of perpetual hunger, unslakable thirst, to use as your method of healing suffering uh, exclusively, exclusively devoting yourself to satisfying your sense pleasures. Doesn't bring happiness. Said what also does not end your suffering is to hang yourself, just like Blaise Pascal said. To give rise and then act on the suicidal impulse in the extreme form of aversion. It doesn't also help. As you can see, when somebody's angry, hatred never ceases by hatred. Doesn't help to strike out at others. It's never made anybody, it's never really more than for a soundbite, a moment, relieved anyone's suffering. So the, the Buddha basically said there's three things. There's three things that keep us from opening to and alleviating our suffering. And the suffering in the world, it's not separate. It's being lost in sense desires, being in a state of craving, that's the same thing, being in a state of aversion, and as well being in a state of becoming. Just always associating ourselves with what we're becoming, where we're going. Always leaning forward, leaning out of this present moment into imagined worlds and places and associating our happiness with that. So the Buddha's recognition that most of our medicine that we take to deal with suffering in our lives, with the systemic suffering, our individual suffering, the method and medicine that we take increases our dis-ease. Even though all those methods, as Blaise Pascal says, are an attempt to find happiness. So they're innocent in that way. The Dalai Lama says the same thing, that all, that what binds us all is our desire to be happy, to be free of suffering. So, so in general with this, I don't want to go out and, I don't want to strike out at anyone during these, this time of, of really feeling the, the pain. I don't want to go to sleep again. I don't want to hide away in fear and dullness, in the desire to shut things out. I want to stay open, let it cut more deep. So whatever it is tonight that you're experiencing, even sitting here, whether it's relative to just having to sit here, or whether it's about what's happening in the world, see if you can just take it in. What's the state of my heart right now? And even if it's numb, open to numbness. Know inwardly, oh, numbness is like this. 
So in this way, we're not really doing anything. And there's no doer doing this. And in some way, the reason I say this is, you know, often on Tuesday nights, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I knew a little bit tonight. I didn't know what I would say, but I often don't know what I'm going to talk about. And over the years, I've gotten to know this process of what happens. I'll sit down and say, okay, what am I going to talk about tonight? And it's, it's often while, you, while we're all sitting together, I've already offered a little bit of instruction. We sit together for that time. And if I really pay attention to the process of how the talk emerges or the idea or the straight thoughts, they just emerge. And it's so obvious that it's just the stopping and opening, asking the question, what to talk about tonight. And thoughts emerge. There's no, and those thoughts have no thinker. They just emerge. And then a, some idea may coalesce. It does it all by itself. There's nobody in there doing it. It emerges. It happens when there is that openness, that, that intention, that, that focus. But it's it's a selfless process. So there's no doer of that. There's no thinker of the thoughts. You can see this for yourself. You sit here, and I offer the instruction, put your mind in your body, and your body in your mind, and notice your breathing. And then what happens? Thoughts happen. Sounds happen. Sensations happen. It's not happening to anybody. It's things being known in awareness, things happening, all by themselves. But then what do we do quickly when we, when we get done with the sitting? We go right back into thinking of ourselves as the doer, absorbed in our little particular individual drama, and we forget the Dharma. And then have to figure out how we're going to make a living and do that, you know, we're all, figure out how to, what to do about all this issues of life, and then once we're still ruminating about it, get no, we get more and more distant from this, this prescription. Just open. The prescription for dealing with the cause of suffering, which is this going out of ourselves as search, is to let go, let be, to abandon the cause of suffering. Means to just see what see what emerges. So as I've read this recently, Pesha Joyce Gertler says, Finally on my way to yes, I bump into all the places where I said no to my life. All the untended wounds, the red and purple scars, those hieroglyphs of pain carved into my skin, my bones, those coded messages that sent me, send me down the wrong street again and again, where I find them, the old wounds, the old misdirections, and I lift them one by one close to my heart, and I say, holy, holy. So the holy, holy is really following the Buddha's simple message 
There is, a, there is dukkha in this world. Open to it. There is a cause of what turns that into an, an endless search for happiness, but no finding it. That craving for existence, for the next thing, for non-existence. And the rest of the prescription for that is let it go, let go. And then he went on to say there is, a, there is an end to this dukkha. This, this mental dukkha that compounds are the things that all of us have to open to if we're human. And that is, that's to be realized. Realize that the selfness, the selflessness that you are. Realize the heart of compassion that opens when you feel the pain. The Dalai Lama said, compassion is what makes our lives meaningful. It is the source of all lasting happiness and joy. It is the foundation of a good heart, the heart of one who acts out of the desire to help others. That altruistic intention comes spontaneously to a heart that's open. And when I say a heart that's open, I mean it's also a mind that's open, open to life that, that we find. Through kindness, through affection, through honesty, through truth and justice toward all others, we ensure our own benefit. This is why Thich Nhat Hanh so beautifully stated in his, in his uh, poem called Call Me By My True Names, the, the opening to life, the widening of our rings of being. He said, do not say that I'll depart tomorrow because even today I still arrive. Look deeply. I arrive in every second to be a bud on a spring branch, to be a tiny bird with wings still fragile, learning to sing in my new nest, to be a caterpillar in the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, in order to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that are alive. I am the mayfly metamorphosing on the surface of the river. And I'm the bird which, when spring comes, arrives in time to eat the mayfly. I'm the frog swimming happily in the clear pond. I'm also the grass snake who, approaching in silence, feeds itself on the frog. I'm the child of Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks. And I'm the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I'm the 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I'm the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I'm the member of the Politburo, with plenty of power in my hands, and I'm the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom in all walks of life. My pain is like a river of tears, so full it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names, so I can hear all my cries 
and laughs at once, so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true name so I can wake up, so that the door of my heart can be left open, the door of compassion. So, like both the Dalai Lama and and uh, Barack Obama, in spite of everyone's uh, deep pain and and maybe even hopelessness that may be arising, both of them are very hopeful. Actually, they think it's actually getting better. That. Progress is being made in our world. Uh, But we can't afford to go to sleep. And the tendency, because of that, I think I talked about it last night, the negative bias where we just fixate on the painful aspects, we need to balance that with the, the, just as Thich Nhat Hanh did so beautifully, with the, my joy, the joy and the beauty and the love that's all around us and within us, but with a clear eyes on every all injustices that we that are just an endemic part of our world, and let it cut more deep, let it move us, but not not get depressed about it, not get not fall into despair and hopelessness to maintain that clear-eyed, open-hearted equanimity that can sit in the middle of it, right where, right where it all touches us. And to maybe even, as the Francois Fenelon quote that I share often, to use it as a kind of guiding principle that to have our eyes open, even though we're, we're struck by, at this time, by the horror of, of so much racism and so much hatred that strikes out and so much access to, I don't know if many of you heard Obama's speech today, but he says it's easier for a kid to get a gun than it is to get a computer or even a book. This is madness. We want to keep our eyes open to this. And we're struck by it. But it's actually, if our eyes are open, it's a good sign. As Francois Fenelon says, as light increases, we see ourselves to be worse than we thought. We are amazed at our former blindness as we see issuing forth from the depths of our hearts I'm adding plural to this. A whole swarm of shameful thoughts and feelings like filthy reptiles crawling from a hidden cave. We never could have believed that we had harbored such things and we stand aghast as we watch them gradually appear. But we must neither be amazed nor disheartened. We are not worse than we were. On the contrary, we are better. But while our faults diminish, 
The light by which we see them waxes brighter and we are filled with horror. But bear in mind, for your comfort, that we only perceive our malady when the cure begins. So may we all just keep shining the light on this world and all its injustice, the causes of injustice, all the racism, the causes of racism, to do, to let it cut more deeply, let it really be the cause of some kind of altruistic action. And you don't have to know what to do. Remember, there's no doer. You just have to let it in. And one person is going to go end up on a three-month retreat as a result of this and, and transform their mind to eradicate the greed, hatred, and ignorance from their heart. Another person's going to start a movement. One person's going to, to ordain, and another person's going to feed people. And both are valid and radical acts of, of caring, social response. But don't go to sleep. That's what I'm saying to myself. I'm just saying it out loud. Don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Keep your heart open. Even in health. You know, we're not really free. So don't, just let go of that illusion. Some people are free here. A lot of people are not. And so we can't, how can, you, how can we rest until every, everyone has the same opportunity? So how that looks for you, I, I'm not sure. But for me, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> for better or for worse. Anyway, thanks for listening. And may our time together be dedicated, as we always do, to not just ourselves, but to the welfare and benefit of everyone. Uh, because when you see that there's no doer, when you see the selflessness of your own process, you see ultimately in the deepest way that there is no other. We're just all a sea of causes and conditions. And why not plant the seeds of the causes and conditions that lead to true happiness, not to just more greed, hatred, and ignorance. And that's why we practice. And how do we do that? We stay in our body. We practice loving kindness whenever we can remember. We practice non-harming body, speech, and mind. We practice generosity tirelessly. Generosity of spirit. Generosity of... Just generosity. Because it's a joining mental state and patience and gratitude so that we're not a bunch of hungry ghosts wandering around this world with little mouths and huge stomachs. That we're actually full and full of love. So may you all be full of love and may all beings be touched by love and know the, the happiness of being, of remaining conscious and opening to truth. Thank you. and please help with moving the chairs back to the, to the sides. Four in a pile.
Thanks for your presence here. Sudden, the light came on with the big red circle. For I know it's so fast. It must still be recording. Oh, it went off. Oh, yeah. That's so it, it, But it happened at 9 a.m., 9 p.m., exactly. You guys Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.